A recent uh, Barna research group surveyed Americans and their spiritual religious beliefs. And the Barna research group asked this question. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? Is there such a thing as absolute truth? The results of this survey were a bit astounding to these researchers. They found that 66% of adults who were surveyed responded that they believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth. That different people can define truth in conflicting ways and still be correct. I want you to absorb that for a moment. That is a stunning statistic. That two out of three adults surveyed said that you can be right and I can be right even though our views are totally opposite and diametrically opposed. That your truth can be your truth and my truth can be my truth and we both have the truth. And if you let that seep into your spirit a bit, I, I hope that you find that as troubling as I do. That the people that we live and work and, and possibly even sit in church pews with would come to a conclusion that there is no such thing as absolute truth. In fact, 72% of those aged 18 to 25, a younger set, 72% of the, that particular age group expressed this belief that there's no absolute truth. In a recent series of more than 20 interviews conducted at random at a large U.S. university, people were asked if there were such a thing as absolute truth. Truth, that is, that is true across all times and all cultures and all people. All but one respondent responded this way, along these lines, that truth is whatever you believe. If you believe it, it is truth. They responded that there is no absolute truth. If there were such a thing as absolute truth, how could we know what it is? Absolute truth it could not be known or realized by us. And that people who do believe that there is absolute truth are dangerous and you should avoid them. The lone exception in that university study was an evangelical Christian who said that absolute truth was found in Jesus Christ. Thank God for at least one voice of sanity in the midst of the muddle. And I suggest that the muddle that you see in this microcosm of university students is spreading like rapid fire across our country and around our world. I would suggest to you today that the situation that these surveys uh, reveal is fairly typical of people living in the Western world today. As Clive Calver says in an article entitled, Thinking Clearly About Truth in Christianity, Calver says, We drift on a tide of uncertainty into a sea of unknowing. Oddly enough, those who claim that there is no such thing as absolute truth, listen, 
They claim there's no such thing as absolute truth. Scores of these same people make scores of decisions every day on the basis that they believe that some things are true and others are false. I mean, when you think about it, we all do. We all make decisions every day based on things that are true and false. I mean, after all, I will not turn on a light in my home without believing in the reality of electricity or drive a car without believing in the effectiveness of the combustion engine. No one who flies in an airplane in a cloud through mountainous terrain would want to be directed by a flight navigator who did not believe in the truth and the accuracy of his instruments. Is that right? No one undergoing brain surgery would want to be operated on by a surgeon who did not believe that some things are true about the brain and some are false. And yet when it comes to some of the most essential and fundamental building blocks of our life here on earth, questions like what is the meaning of life, why are we here, does it matter whether or not I am good or bad, or is there anything such as goodness or badness, or the question, what happens when I die? Or will I be called into account by the judge of all the earth? Or will I not? Does God exist? It is assumed by many people in our world today that we cannot know truth. We cannot know and experience true truth. According to popular Opinion today, if it works for me and I believe it, it is my truth and you are off base to judge me and say that my truth is not my truth. Or we can assume the position and the attitude of Marilyn Monroe, who uh, has said to have declared, I believe in everything a little bit. You see, I think there are a lot of people in our world today that are, are fuzzy in their thinking. They are confused. They are wandering around in a cloud, a cloud of unknowing. They are drifting on a sea of opinion. And, and unfortunately, many of us are being directed by the media and by other people who seem to have some confidence. And if they say it, if it's on television, then it must be true. Well, friends, if, if you haven't discovered it yet, you can't believe everything that they say on television or on the radio. You can't believe everything that is taught in a university classroom or a high school biology lab. According to today's society, one thing I must never do is tell someone else that they're wrong, that I'm right and you're wrong. Some years ago, the popular uh, columnist Dear Abby tackled the issue of family quarrels that resulted over religion. And a reader told Abby uh, this, Your answer to the woman who complained that her relatives were always arguing with her about religion was ridiculous. You advised her to simply declare the subject off limits. Are you suggesting that people talk only about trivial, meaningless subjects so as to avoid a potential controversy? It is arrogant, she wrote to Abby, it is arrogant to tell people that there are subjects they may not mention in your presence. You could have suggested that she learn enough about her relative's cult to show them the errors contained in its teachings. In response, Abby wrote this to her reader. It, listen to these words. In my view, the height of arrogance is to attempt to show people the errors in their religion 
of their choice. The height of arrogance is to point out their errors. What in the world have we come to? We live in a morally confused world. To suggest that you might be right about your beliefs and others might be wrong is probably today in our politically correct society is probably one of the greatest offenses that one could commit. The the poet Steve Turner wrote a brilliant parody of this attitude and he called it the creed. Part of it goes like this. I believe that each man must find the truth that is right for him. Reality will adapt accordingly. The universe will readjust. History will alter. I believe that there is no absolute truth excepting the truth that there is no absolute truth. I'm troubled. It is my opinion that this kind of thinking is absolutely epidemic in our world today. Even many, now brace yourself, even many in Christian circles refuse to acknowledge the existence of absolute truth and have compromised on the truth and have said, well, you know, maybe we don't have the truth. And to regard any truth as sure and certain and to believe that to declare that one possesses the truth is ill-mannered, uncharitable, and a huge display of intolerance. If you say that you have the truth and somebody else is wrong, you are labeled an intolerant person. But friends, I believe that we have the truth. We have the truth in a world in a world where most people are wandering around in a hopeless ignorance, you and I serve a God who is the embodiment of truth. And as followers of Jesus Christ, you may disagree with me, send me your emails, I'll love to dialogue with you, but as followers of Jesus Christ, I believe that is our duty, imperative, for us in this age where we have this kind of fuzzy thinking that we are to confront this kind of confused thinking and declare the absolute truth of God's inerrant word without apology or without shame. I believe it is our duty to do so. And as faithful Christians, we must refuse to give in and give way to wishy-washiness any longer. And we need to stand up and be counted and say we are for the truth. We believe that there is truth and we're embracing it and we're living our lives on it and we're staking our futures on it. We have the truth, not because we are smarter or better than anyone else, but because God has revealed True truth to us in the person of His only Son, Jesus, and in His written Word, the Holy Scriptures. We have the truth. And I'm not ashamed to say it. That's why, over the next eight weeks, Pastor Ben and I have decided to prepare a series of messages that I'm introducing today on behalf of both of us, and we've entitled it, An Inconvenient truth. Now, you may not like my association of this title because of its political ramifications or the issue of global warming, which you think is hogwash, 
But nevertheless, I think the title is an apt one for this particular series of messages because I believe that sometimes when we live by the truth, it is going to cause some inconvenience and some discomfort for us. Living by the truth is not always a comfortable situation. And the premise of this whole teaching series that Ben and I are going to be preaching over the next weeks is that as Christians, we do believe that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And truth is this, listen, truth is the self-expression of God. That is to say that absolute truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and the being of God. As John MacArthur says in his new book, and I would recommend that you read it, it's called The Truth War. MacArthur says this, that God is the author, the source, the determiner, the governor, the arbiter, the ultimate standard, and final judge of all truth. Truth, says MacArthur, must ultimately be defined in terms of God and His eternal glory. Listen, in case you've lost sight of it, we serve and believe in a God that is the fountain of all truth and is truth Himself. And this true God that we serve has been so gracious, so merciful in giving us a human expression, revealing His glory to us in our humanity. He's done that in giving us the expression of Himself in Jesus Christ and through the Scriptures. We have the revealed Son of God, and we have the written, revealed Word of God, and they are truth. They are bound up together, one in the same. And we believe further that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image, as Paul says to the Colossians, that He is Jesus, is the express image of God's person and is indeed truth incarnate. That is, truth with flesh on. That Jesus is the perfect expression of God and therefore the absolute embodiment of all that is true. And when you embrace Jesus as your Savior, you are embracing truth. And truth begins to invade your life. Further, not only do we believe that Jesus Christ is the express image of God's person and glory, but we also believe that this Bible, the Holy Scriptures, is the written Word of God. When the Word of God is read in our presence in a worship service, we should sit up and pay attention and take notice. This is not man's opinion. This is not something that contains little nuggets of truth. When the Word of God is spoken in our hearing or when we read it, this book does not merely contain truth. It is truth. The pure, unchangeable, eternal Word of God. And as Scripture declares, this Word, the Word of the Lord, will endure forever. It is eternal. And further, we believe that everything that we need to know about life and godliness is contained in these Scriptures. Therefore, unapologetically, we are going to declare the truth of God's Word. And if you struggle with something that the Scriptures have to say, 
Your beef is not with me or any other preacher who stands behind this sacred desk. If you have trouble with what the Scriptures say, you have a beef with God, and you take it up with Him. And if you do, let me warn you. You may be in the same position that Job was in. Do you remember in chapter 32 of the book of Job in the Old Testament? Job began to complain about his condition and his circumstances and his situations. And God says, in effect, he says to Job, buckle your seatbelt, buddy, because I have a few things to say to you. So if you take your beef up with God, you better buckle your seatbelt. I believe that everything we need to know about life and godliness is, for, is provided for us in the revealed written Word of God, and it is inerrant, it is truth. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, it is truth. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are, we are called to embrace it and live by it. And if you haven't noticed lately some of the principles and ideas that are contained in the revealed written Word of God are diametrically opposed to much of modern and postmodern thinking today. So here's what we're going to do over the next seven or eight weeks. We're going to unpack separate truths, some of them very inconvenient, some of them pretty hard to swallow. Some of them you might even struggle with as you grapple with them. And we're going to take those truths and we're going to lay them out. And we're going to say, okay, this is what the Word of God is saying. And, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to embrace this truth as we embrace this truth and learn to live our lives according to these eternal truths. We almost, almost always need to recognize that at times, not always, but at times, there will be an inherent inconvenience. So we're going to deal with several doctrinal truths. Next week, Pastor Ben is going to be preaching, and he's going to be talking about the Word of God and the authority of the Scripture and why we believe that this Word is the revealed written Word of God and why we as Christians should, should hide it in our heart and learn to live by it and, and, and live by these principles. He'll be talking about the authority of Scripture, that the Bible is God-breathed, inerrant Word of God, and serves as our only rule for life and for faith and for practice. I'm going to be talking in the next week about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ and taking the whole issue of Jesus' words when he says in John 14, I, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, there's that word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to look at that in depth and say, are there many paths to God? There are many people in our world today that say, oh, you can get to God this way, and you can get to God this way, and you can do this route, and you can do that. Hogwash. If you accept the Bible as absolute truth and the Word of God as the revealed written Word of God, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. That is to say, Jesus is exclusively the only way to God. Now, sometimes that's going to be an uncomfortable truth to embrace. When, when you're dealing with people in your life who aren't quite so eager to embrace Jesus as the only way. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the reality of heaven and hell. To believe that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And that the Word of God teaches it and we're going to embrace it. And sometimes it may be inconvenient. 
It may be inconvenient for you at times to believe in a heaven and a hell, because there may be someone that you love or care about who dies, and you know that they didn't have ever expressed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that if you embrace the truth of heaven and hell and the Word of God and salvation by faith through grace, that they're in hell. It becomes very inconvenient to embrace that truth. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, We'll also look at uh, salvation by grace through faith alone. We'll go back to the bedrock of the Reformation and say, okay, there's no other way, no other way. Jesus is the only way, but salvation, the gift of eternal life, is by grace through faith alone. It's not through your good works. It's not through your church membership. It's not through the church. It's not through confession. It's not through penitence. It's not by having somebody spring you out of purgatory. It is by grace through faith alone, period. Sometimes an inconvenient truth. We're also going to look at some of the inconvenient truths that that affect our spiritual formation and our growth in, in, in the walk of faith. We're going to look at some practical issues and, and we'll go from preaching to meddling in these things because we're going to talk about faithful stewardship, that the Bible calls you and me to be a faithful steward. It's not convenient to have to take 10% or more of my income and dedicate it to the Lord for His work. That's sometimes very inconvenient. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at the call to holiness. That is to say that God has called you and me, set us apart, sanctified us, and He calls us to lead a distinct and different life, to not be conformed to the image of this world, but to rather be transformed by the renewing of our mind and to be holy even as He is holy. It's not always convenient to embrace the truth that God has called us to be holy, especially when we realize some of the things that we watch and read and look at and talk about and think about. A call to holiness can be a very uncomfortable and inconvenient thing. We're going to talk about uh, some moral absolutes. We're going to look at sexual purity. And we're going to take up some hot-button issues that scare the... give me chills to even approach. But it's part of God's truth, and we're embracing God's truth. So in the sexual purity area... We're going to talk about cohabitation, living together outside the bonds of marriage. We're going to talk about homosexuality. And what does the Word of God have to say about homosexuality? But it's God's truth. And if we embrace it and we say we're going to live by it, then we have to deal with what God's Word has to say. It might not feel politically correct. It it may feel intolerant. And I hope that this engenders a whole lot of discussion. I hope that you'll be talking with one another and you'll be searching the Scripture. You'll be good Bereans and be looking at the Scriptures together and saying, well, what does God's Word have to say about these matters? So we're going to be looking at some truths that often result in inconvenience. But here's the blessing side of this. I believe with all of my heart that if as followers of Jesus Christ, we make a commitment to not only embrace this truth, but make a commitment to live by these truths, that it leads to a life of joy and blessing and great peace. 
if we'll take the risk of living with some of the inconveniences of embracing God's absolute truth. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next eight weeks. And we're going to do it in a creative way. I'm excited to be working with Ben on this. In fact, one of the Sundays, he and I are going to team teach it together. We're going to sit on stools and have a conversation about it and engage you in the conversation. And so it's going to be kind of a different approach to the preaching task. And we hope that it will wake you up in these gray, dull months of January, February, and March. And because Easter comes early this year, on Palm Sunday and on Easter Sunday, we're going to take the theme and switch it on those two high holy days. And we're calling our messages those two days, The Truth Speaks. The Truth Speaks. So I hope you'll be here. If you can't be here, if you're providentially hindered, that you'll pick up the messages either at the information desk or on our website, and that you'll be searching the Scriptures along with us, and that we will, as a body of believers, not only be willing to listen to the truth, but be willing to embrace it and live our lives by it, despite the inconvenience of sometimes living by the truth. So there you have it. That's where we're going. And I pray that God will help us as we set out on this journey to find true truth. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the coming weeks as we study your word and as we look together at uh, hot-button issues that are critical to clear, focused, and godly thinking, that, Lord, you will inspire Ben and me in our preparations and each member of this body as we search the Word together and we accept and embrace these truths that even at times might create some inconvenience for us. Lead us by your Word, and may we be a people of the book who live by this truth. Thank you for this opportunity to share where we're going in this, and we look forward to the adventure together. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.